Hey, I'm Paul Perry. I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders. Designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it. So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Now, let's get down to business. So I want to welcome everybody to The Wrap, where we're specifically talking about higher education. I mean, I know today's colleges and universities it's an unprecedented array of challenges and threats, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of enrollment declining. There's a lot of rising costs. Student debt's always in the in the conversation. So, um, you know, a, a lot to talk about and, and a lot to unpack in this in this session. Yeah, and I know that higher ed has certainly weathered crisis before, but maybe this feels like we're moving into a different um, a different territory. So, we're really excited to have the experts within our firm here with us today. Uh, please welcome Lee Parks and Rick Blanton. My name is Lee Parks, and I'm with the Montgomery office and, and work in the public sector, Warren Abert. I specialize in, in state and local governments, uh, not-for-profits and institutions of higher education. I'm Rick Blanton. I work in the Montgomery office as well. I also work a, a great deal in not-for-profits, institutions of higher education, and state and local governments. We had some thoughts about about what Paul mentioned about the historically colleges. Yeah, you know, historically colleges and universities have relied on a traditional model uh, where, you know, enrollment, state and local appropriations, contributions, basically funded operations. Um, COVID came in and kind of disrupted the apple cart. Um, all of a sudden, the um, people were, were sent home. Um, st- schools were initially locked down. The government came in. And, and did what they what they needed to do and, and provided a lot of stimulus money to get get everybody through this. Um, so the past couple of years, that has kind of been a, just a big Band-Aid and, and allowed everybody to get through the, through the issue. And now we're kind of coming out of this and everybody is kind of looking at where they're going to be positioned once the stimulus money runs out. It's going to be a, an interesting to see. Where, where the various institutions are and, and, and how they position themselves moving forward. Well, you know, Lee, there's been a lot of changes from COVID, not, not all of them terrible, but you mentioned some right there with, with funding. And, you know, with that, the, the traditional student has changed some, too, for colleges. I mean, hmm. I, I know the workforce in general has. Um, so many more people are looking at, at working, realize they could work from home. Yeah. realize they could learn from home. And so I think that impacts a lot of the offerings. And, and when you talk about the traditional model um, that focuses so much on enrollment, the, the, the programs and um, even the structure and, and how it's provided um, has really been revamped in the last couple of years. And I don't know, I wonder, is that going to stick? I, I think there's, I think there's going to be certain, certainly a segment of that population that, that expects that offering to continue. Yeah, and I think that's a good point. You know, you're not only talking about online learning, but, but just the, you know, commuters, um, yeah. the, the, the traditional student that comes to college and lives on a dorm or on-campus housing and stays for four or four-plus years and graduates, that is probably going to be, uh, a lot less than it was in the past. You know, now you like you said, you've got not only online learning, but people who are who are working and and going to class at night and and, and working around that. So it's 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 definitely going to be different. You know, you you mentioned about the funding and kind of the band aid 
approach that the, the federal government took. And thank goodness that they did. Um, and, and I think that'd be a good time to, to mention something that all of our clients are, or the vast majority of them are, are hearing about um, is employee retention credits. Um, everybody has heard about them. Uh, a lot of our clients are getting phone calls and emails and, and, and it's really come down to people beating down their doors, talking to them about it. And one of the things that, that our clients in particular really have to be concerned about is, as you mentioned, state appropriations and federal funding and, and things like that, where those initial expenses are covered by. And our clients, especially the higher education ones and not-for-profits, have to be really cognizant of, of potentially double-dipping if somebody in decides to pursue one of those tax credits because these people that are reaching out they are unconcerned with our clients' well-being and their future. Um, so it becomes the onus is on our clients to determine whether they even have a possibility because they could be jeopardizing future funding. Uh, and, and so that's when you mentioned Band-Aid, it made me think about it. Uh, that's one that, that may be harder to rip off. You could lose a lot of hair in that Band-Aid. Uh, mm. So just thought. Yeah. Well, it sounds like, the, just the overall business strategy of colleges and universities is is being forced to shift. Um, some of this was already in the works prior to the pandemic, but maybe was escalated or exacerbated. But talk to me a little Lee, about the overall business strategies and what are leaders within these higher education institutions, what are they thinking about? What are they focused on? as they shift their business strategies? Well, I think, you know, once, as we're transitioning out and the, and the stimulus money is, is, is drying up, uh, you know, we're, they're going to have to start focusing back on their budgets and, 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 and trying to live a life without the stimulus. Uh, hmm. Obviously, enrollment and, 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 and the, the state and local uh, funding, uh, that will continue to be important, but really just trying to hone in your expenses and, 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 and get back to, to a um, to operating, you know, uh, probably a, probably a leaner operation, um, trying to grow enrollment. But but we, one thing we have seen is, is is enrollment. They're trying to grow enrollment at the at a cost. So uh, you know, when when colleges and universities provide scholarships to, to students to come, um, they can be funded different ways. Some are externally funded by by an endowment. Or, or a gift, and then some are funded internally, where the schools is basically paying for that person to attend. So they need to be careful about trying to get too aggressive in in, in trying to grow enrollment at a cost. So um, that's going to be a, that's going to be a difficult play because because there's no benchmark. Every every institution is different when it says, "Well, what's your discount rate?" Which is the percentage of scholarships compared to to tuition revenue, and, 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 it's, and it's hard because everybody is different. And it, it really, a lot of that depends on if it's, a, if it's a funded, externally funded scholarship or an internally funded scholarship. You talked about uh, kind of a lean organization. I mean, I, I would imagine that, that staffing has to, to, to be different. There has to be new challenges, new, new opportunities with, as it relates to the staffing of these colleges and universities. Have you seen that with some of the clients you've talked to or, or, or what is the industry looking for there? No, I, I think that's definitely a good point. You know, staffing, uh, you know, as a whole, you know, if you, if, 
is, 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 is an issue. Um, you know, but we all know that the cost of employees has, has been driven up and Absolutely. that's, a, that's a direct impact on the, on the bottom line. Um, Especially at the professional level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only the cost, but you know, the, the getting staff is difficult, mm. um, especially in, in, in a, in a um, let's just take the the finance office or uh, financial aid office. So those two kind of come to mind initially, but that's it's a really difficult market right now, and it's competitive, and it's it's hard to it's hard to keep. You know that that really speaks to that budgeting that you're talking about, Lee. You're talking about running a leaner operation when you're some would say your most important inputs, your people are at an all-time high and and the marketplace has just kind of drained the pool of, of whom you'd like to have. Um, and then also that kind of affects enrollment as well. Um, when you think about staffing and employment as a whole, you know, I read something um, the other day in the Wall Street Journal, uh, McDonald's expects their average pay to be $15 an hour next year. And we all kind of consider that like the baseline, you know, a job at McDonald's. That's that's what you that's what you could get just right out of the gate. And that's now impacting students choices about the point whether they want to yeah. jump off this road a four year education or even two year of education. Uh, they, they start thinking about what they're giving up because these employers are just making it really hard for them to to make that personal investment without the uh, initial upfront drive. I, you know, I feel like the higher institutions are kind of getting it from both sides right now. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. When, when somebody's coming out of high school and, and looking at the, the return of investment of, 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 a, of a college degree. And, 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 you know, these days, four years is kind of just a minimum. Most require a, a master's or, or, or an excess. So uh, when, when looking at that $15 an hour job is, is, is hard to, that being the, the, the baseline. Yeah, the minimum. That's, that, 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 that can, can serve really some good decisions. And certainly as you look at, um, if you look at someone who's having to face the obstacle of, of paying for college versus starting out working immediately, so you're, you're not only delaying mm-hmm. four years of, making, of earning income, but you're now adding an expense, right? So it's doubling sure. the impact. Uh, as cost of going to college increases, you know, it's making it more difficult. But yeah. um, and, you know, I can see that. Fortunately, some businesses, you know, they're having staffing issues as well. So so we're seeing some businesses uh, offering an incentive to, to current staff or future staff to come in, and, and, and they, they may assist in the uh, cost of of the education with the requirement that they stay with, you know, a certain amount of years after. So that does help a little bit um, that, that everybody's kind of feeling the staffing pinch. You know, some of our, some of our higher education clients are, are reaching out to industry to, to see what the highest and best use of, of what they're putting out of, of an educated student ready for a career is so that they know they're putting out the kind of people that, that, the employment makes sense. The college yeah. makes sense based on the employment added that way. I think that kind of proactive approach between industry and higher education is maybe part of the answer to, to that business strategy. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Then head on over to warrenabert.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Now back to the show. And I'm sure, you know, just 
like every uh, business and every sector of the economy had to shift during the pandemic to utilize technology. I know that uh, the colleges and universities were not immune to that. They had to adapt to that as well. And with all that we're talking about, you see more and more people offering a virtual MBA and a web, you know, program. So talk to me a little bit about how technology is factoring into this shift that, that higher ed institutions are going through as well. Well, I think technology obviously is, you know, it, like you said, it's not just online learning. It's the everything has gone as far as student access to, to, to records and, and, and study materials and, and grades and, and everything related to the school it has, has shifted to, to technology um, online. And the security definitely becomes an issue. And, and I, you know, I would do it disjustice, so I'm going to defer to Paul. Why don't you, why don't you talk <laughs> right. a little bit about it? It's, 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 in my opinion, everybody's at risk. Yeah, I mean, and I would say that, you know, from a security perspective, anything that's that's accessible through the Internet is is obviously adding a risk. So universities probably had a lot of vulnerabilities as it related to their technology in the past. But once you put absolutely everything online and everything's accessible, it, it's even a bigger threat or a, a bigger vulnerability for them. So they're probably having to shift what they do. And you talk about running a lean shop, you know, doing good security is not cheap, right? You, you've, sure. got, it, you've got to put some some funds to it and you've got to have governances buy in on, on um, adding that expense. And so, yeah, it's definitely going to play into you know, enrollment, it's going to play into, you know, how everybody works and how everybody interacts. And um, you get the more you security you put in there, the less convenient it makes, you know, accessing things for people. So, yeah, it's definitely um, no industry is immune to higher expenses around security. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure universities are going to are going to have an issue there as well. well. Paul, let me ask you this. It's for, so for a, let's just say a college that, that may have not have done the investment of the infrastructure uh, prior to this, and then all of a sudden, the demand of the the technology network has significantly grown. So you may be operating right. at a hundred plus capacity on that network. Does that open them up from more to to to, to risk? I mean, it absolutely does. And you know, for universities that are listening to this and and thinking about, well, where do I get started? You know, it's 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 that quick risk assessment where where are we most vulnerable let's fix that first a lot of people get get overwhelmed and they say hey i, I can't fix it all at once so I, i'm not going to fix any of it that's not the way to approach it it's you know step by step do something different this month this year yeah. um but really focus the higher higher risk areas but sure. you're you're rightly it's it's definitely opening up them more to the vulnerabilities out there. And, you know, the, the cyber criminals are not focused, you know, sometimes they have a moral code that says, I'm not going to go after universities. I'm not going to go after children. I'm not going to go after hospitals, but there's a lot that say, I don't know what, I don't know who I'm going after. I know there's a vulnerability. I'm going after that. It, it could be a mom and pop down the, down the street. It could be a university. I don't know the answer to that. So you really have to kind of take that with a, quote unquote grain of salt and and you you can't assume just because I'm a university they're not going to go after us. Sure. And you know, yeah, I, I think but since they've moved from the use of social security numbers as the primary identification for students and now they do student ID, some some institutions think, well, that's kind of relieved me of my responsibility. Mm. That's really, that's really not the case. Right. Because I mean I can easily find that out and um, it's probably 
a portion of the social security number. It's probably got a little bit other things to it, but if I can figure okay. one person's out, I may can figure others out. So yeah, so definitely link to a bank account somewhere. So absolutely. Uh, yeah. Lots of, lots of vulnerabilities out there. So Lee and Rick, there's just, there's a lot going on here and it's a very dynamic situation for higher education institutions. Here on the wrap, we like to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. What's the one thing you would leave listeners with the leaders of these organizations for them to have success in the future? Well, I think that's a great question, Kim. You know, um, to, to try to narrow it down to just to, to uh, 60 seconds is very difficult. Um, I think we're all trying to walk through this time together. Um, obviously, like we mentioned, I think, you know, getting your budget honed down, um, focusing on enrollment and, and other financing funding sources. Obviously, technology is huge. Um, uh, getting, getting that risk assessment penetration analysis uh, performed. Um, Rick, do you, you have any other things that you want to add? You know, Lee, you, you've, you've done a great job summarizing that. I'd say the awareness of all those things you just mentioned and keeping them in your horizon line when looking at things like budgeting and making your strategies for the next year and the coming years, yeah. being aware of all those items and how they could impact your university is probably the single biggest thing. It's a, it's a broad approach, um, yeah. and, and it takes a lot of awareness to do it. You're really focusing on, on five-year plan as opposed to, to a one-year plan. Absolutely. Well, like every other industry, I mean, it's it's not business as usual, and I think you you, you guys have, have have mentioned that and and really expounded on that. So, uh, Lee, Rick, it, it's a pleasure to have y'all on the, the the podcast with us, and we appreciate you being here. No, thank y'all. We appreciate y'all including us. Thank you so much, Paul. Kim. we enjoyed it? Thank you all. Great to see you. I'll take care. Talk soon. Bye. 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 And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series, or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear. Visit us at warrenavorit.com forward slash the wrap.